You know, I want to say thank you to every single man and woman out there who served this great nation on Memorial Day. Without you, we wouldn't be here talking about pinball, talking about collecting these games, talking about the magic, talking about the code. So I mean it when I say from Canada's Pinball Podcast to all of you out there, the men and women who served this great nation, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. So here's what we're going to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. We are going to talk to a lawyer about the contract and the warranty between Jersey Jack Pinball and its customer base. Because I think you're really going to find this interesting from a legal standpoint. What it means when all of us buy these games. And are these warranties actually giving us anything? Or are we basically saying, take my money and you will not stand behind your product on any level? We're going to talk about that. Now, before I air this interview, I want to say something. I saw on my Facebook Live page, I saw that Robert Mueller responded. He responded to my Facebook post in which I made fun of the Raza ship date. I put up a post that said the Raza ship date see below, and then it was a bunch of blank space, and then it said Raza ship date see above. And if you notice, there was no date given on when Raza would ship. And Robert Mueller last night, he chimed in and he said, laughing at you, laughing at us. And I just want to say something right now directly to all of you over at Deep Root and to you, Robert Mueller. How are you laughing at me? You told your customers back in December that anyone who ordered a Raza would have their game in four to six weeks, or maybe it was six to eight weeks, but that doesn't matter because that was six to eight months ago. And I also want to remind Robert Mueller that you came on Canada's Pinball Podcast multiple times and you said that anyone who ordered your games would have their games within two weeks. Do you need me to pull the sound bites for you, Robert? So how are you laughing at me laughing at you? Let me just say something right now, and I mean this. Robert Mueller and Deep Root Pinball and John Papaduke, the entire pinball community is laughing at you. It is now June of 2021. You have shipped zero games to customers. You only sold 130 Razas. You sold less Raza machines than America's Most Haunted. The ugliest pinball machine of all time, America's Most Haunted, sold more games than your John Papaduke Pinbar Pinpod masterpiece. So Robert and company, nobody is laughing with you. Nobody is laughing at Canada. The entire pinball world is laughing at Deep Root Pinball, who could only sell 130 games after five years of promising all of this pinball innovation. And you know what? Where are the games, Robert? Where are the games? Are they even certified? Do you even have vendors lined up? So how are you laughing at me? I did not promise people games. I did not say we would ship games within two weeks. And Robert, let me remind you, you said multiple times that you would ship more games in one year than every single manufacturer combined, not just Stern, combined. So Robert, at what point, at what point do we get to hold you accountable for what you said? Now go call up your law firm and go get them to try to sue everybody who's making fun of you right now. 
But ultimately, I've grabbed every single soundbite that you said and you went on the record for, and we're going to hold you accountable for it. And here's my thing, Robert. Just get people their games. That's all we want to see. You don't have to chime in on Canada's Pinball Podcast Facebook page in June. You just have to get people the games when you said you would. But man, 130 sold in total. That is a joke. That is a joke. All right, so we're going to air this interview. And before I do this, I want to thank each and every one of you who has so generously contributed to Canada's Pinball Podcast on PayPal and on Patreon. And if you haven't heard yet, these people who donate to the show are not only going to get exclusive podcasts and exclusive merchandise, but I'm also going to start airing the Pinside Babies again. But only people who contribute to the show will get Canada's Pinside Babies episodes because the main show is going to be PG. But if you want to hear me really go off the record, really get strident, and really drop a bunch of F-bombs and tell you how I really feel about this pinball hobby, you're going to have to donate to Canada's Pinball Podcast. But you know what? If you don't donate, you're still going to get the greatest and the most entertaining pinball podcast in the world like you will right now. Let's talk to a lawyer about Jersey Jack pinball contracts. Let's air it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome to Canada's Pinball Podcast a very special guest. And Dan, you haven't been on the show before, but you are a lawyer extraordinaire. And I want to talk to you about Jersey Jack pinball contracts. How does that sound? That sounds good. And and I, I'm not giving legal advice that any of you should rely on, but you can certainly listen to it and understand it is my experience. Now, Dan, for a listener of the show, just real quick, your background in law and how your, your sort of insight into this has some sort of relevance. Uh, for the last, I'm losing track of it, 25, 28 years, my specialty has been product marketing and distribution um, so a lot of the discussion that's happened over the years and more recently with Guns N' Roses Playfield, I've had some kind of intellectual curiosity, both to see how Jersey Jack responds and to see how pinball buyers respond. Okay. Now, Dan, before we jump into the, the contract itself, do you have a Guns N' Roses machine? I do. Which version do you have? I have the CE. Okay. And... As of today, what condition is your machine? Is it, is it perfect? Do you have any issues? No, I, I have had no issues. Maybe one time I needed to tighten uh, the plastic white disc that's underneath the slash spinner. Okay. That has a tendency sometimes to come loose in these games. And I know some people have put Loctite on it. Um, I tightened mine once. And other than that... Um, you know, knock on wood, it's been a great experience. Now, how many plays do you have on your machine right now? I promised you I was going to run the audit, and I didn't, but I would say about 230, 240. The reason why I wanted to ask you is, is obviously not every single machine is having issues, and I know that sometimes because we're staring at pin side photos and we're staring at photos on my Facebook page, people think that every single game is impacted, but your game is, is right now in good condition. Are you going to apply any additional preventative measures to your machine? I don't think so. I've never been a big fan of play field protectors. And, and based on my understanding of the problem, that wouldn't solve the most common issues 
uh, with the Guns N' Roses games that people have seen, uh, nor am I going to apply washers in advance. I guess I, I'm, I'm going to take my risks and keep playing it and see what happens. Play it and enjoy it. So do you have any other Jersey Jack machines other than Guns N' Roses? Um, at one time or another, I've had every Jersey Jack machine, even if some of them were, were for a very limited period of time. I've had Pirates of the Caribbean three or four times. Um, I very briefly had it dialed in. I've had a Hobbit. I had a Ruby Red Wizard of Oz. What am I forgetting? Oh, and I have had two two Willy Wonka CEs, which both had a little which both had a little bit of pooling, coincidentally. Okay, wait, wait a minute. Why two Wonkas? Why three pirates? Like, what? Like, do you sell stuff and regret it, and you get it back? Like, talk to me about that first. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's some sort of sickness or, or foolishness. I, I had Willy Wonka, and then wasn't really marketing it very actively and someone offered me a good price for it and then it was gone. Um, I was kind of looking at that space and it's sort of like seeing an empty space at the table. So then I got it again and sold it again. <laughs> I, I don't have a good explanation for it. As you see these pirates prices go through the roof, do you wish you held on to pirates? Um, what I wish I held on to was the new inbox pirates game that I had a year and a half ago that you offered me 17000 for that sat on pin side for six months uh, at 22000 and someone eventually bought that one I wish I had back. Yeah, your new inbox collector's edition, which nowadays, those are 38 plus thousand dollars. It's crazy. But Dan, the reason I wanted to talk to you is is warranties, right? And a lot of people now, as they're looking at their pinball machines, they're wondering, when I buy a game from a company, what am I entering into from a, a contractual like warranty standpoint with these companies? And so, I wanted to talk about Jersey Jack's warranty. So I'm looking at it right now, the JJP's limited warranty. Let's go top down on it. Can we take a step back? Because you've pointed this out to your listeners from time to time. You're not buying a game from the company. You're buying a game from the distributor. You have no contract with Jersey Jack. You have a contract with whatever distributor you purchased it from, unless in this case, we know that that, that you can also buy uh, your games directly from Jersey Jack online. All of my games I've either bought from from a distributor or from other hobbyists. Most of the time, in most instances, when someone buys a game, your contract isn't with Jersey Jack, it's with your distributor. Okay, so does that mean that this warranty doesn't apply if I buy from a distributor, that I have to look at a distributor sort of warranty and coverage on, on games? I'm going to give you the argument I would make, and then I'm going to give you the argument the distributor would make. Okay? Yeah. So when I bought uh, my Guns N' Roses, um, I believe that I PayPal the deposit to the distributor when the game was being teased, when they were running Willy Wonka ads that said, won't you please take me home, right? Because at that point, it was clear that, that Guns N' Roses was going to be the next game. And then I PayPal'd the rest while my distributor was on the phone, on the distributor call the morning of whatever it was, October 5th. I think that was the right. Date. So I had paid for the game before ever seeing it, obviously before taking delivery of it, before anything. So if I had a game and I was trying to find some relief, the first thing that I would do is talk to the distributor. And I would say, I bought a game from you, and it was my expectation that that game would have a certain level of quality. What the distributor would say is, and he might not use these words, but he'd say, well, this is a pass-through warranty. 
the distributor would say. I don't make any warranty. The only warranty that you get is from Jersey Jack. It's just like buying a car. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a big difference here. When you buy a car, before you own the car, you sign about 40 different pieces of paper. At least one of those pieces of paper is information that's being disclosed to you about what the manufacturer's warranty is. And you, nobody does, but you at least theoretically have the opportunity to read it and appreciate it before signing all those papers and taking the car home. Right. How many people, when they buy a game from a distributor, are ever given a distributor's terms and conditions? And there, there may be some. Yeah, so some of the bigger distributors may have their standard terms and conditions. But my argument would be I bought the game from you, the distributor. I don't know what Jersey Jack's terms and conditions are. I didn't contract with them. I contracted with you. You didn't tell me about any of your terms and conditions. You certainly didn't mention any Jersey Jack's terms and conditions. So please take care of me. Right. And legally, though, are they supposed to? Legally, the distributor, just just like Jersey Jack, all things that you buy come with implied warranties. Those are things that, that, that suggest that whatever you're buying should operate as that type of thing is supposed to operate. And I would say when I bought a pinball game from you, certainly for 12500 or whatever it is, there was a clear understanding between us that I was going to get something that didn't chip. Particularly since, you know, at 12500 these are artwork, in my view, as much as they are anything else. And therefore, the game that the distributor sold to me comes with what's called an implied warranty of merchantability. And unless the distributor gave me some written document in advance of the sale, I would look to the distributor first to get help. So let's let's talk about that very specific thing because, and you might hear baby killing and crying in the background a little bit. He He's looked at the Jersey Jack photos with all the chipping, and that's why he's crying right now. But let's let's talk about the implied warranty and how you apply that to all the different things that can happen to a pinball machine. So you just said it's implied that my play field won't chip. How do you prove that that was an implied thing that would be covered that you, you wouldn't have to put up with that how, how does that become like a list of here are the things that are implied and here are the things that are unrealistic because i think they would say like a pinball machine is wear and tear like this is natural wear and tear when you play a machine that has steel hitting wood yeah i, I don't think so uh, i mean it, it, it's an argument that could be made if you ever took a distributor or jjp to court maybe they could make that argument an implied warranty of merchantability means that whatever you buy is good for the ordinary use for which it would be put, good for the ordinary use for which a pinball machine would be put, or, or, or reasonably foreseeably. Right. I would say it is not reasonably foreseeable that these brand new games that are $12,500 should be chipping. They could disagree. They could disagree and you know, as you've talked about repeatedly, it's not impossible to do. Um, you really don't see any spooky play fields that are chipping. You don't see any CGC play fields that I'm aware of that are chipping. Well, and if they came out publicly and said, we consider this kind of damage to a play field to be normal wear and tear, nobody would buy from them if, if they thought this was normal because it's definitely not normal. Now, Dan, I'm looking at the warranty right now, and it's it's this one-page warranty that was actually revised in March of 2021, 
And I want to get your thoughts on this thing. And I want to get your thoughts on as you look at this and you look at this stuff that they're explicitly calling out as what they will cover and what they won't. What are your thoughts on this current warranty as it stands? I don't need to read the whole thing, but to me, it looks like they're only covering the the LCD monitor and the printed circuit boards and everything else. And it's you're on your own. Well, again, I mean, all I can tell you is what I would do if it were an issue for me. And I've never had an issue with any Jersey Jack pinball yet that would take me down this road. But the first thing I would do is wonder, you know, where, where are these terms and conditions? And the only place that I was able to find the terms and conditions on the Jersey Jack website uh, were in the game manuals themselves. When you click into the games, click into the downloads, click into the manuals, and there's the terms and conditions. So, uh, you know, I think just to be sporting, a lot of companies have a specific link on the homepage along with About Us and Contact Us, etc., for the terms and conditions. So that would probably be a good idea. But the bigger problem that I see is, again, speaking for myself, I would want to make an argument that the attempts to disclaim these warranties, which you certainly can do, need to be made in some conspicuous manner, which means they need to be in uh, a larger typeface, they need to be bold, underlined, in italics, something like that, that would draw the reader's attention to those disclaimers. Okay. Now, I want, to, I want you to really clarify that because what you're saying is if there are things that are not covered in the warranty, it really needs to be called out in the warranty that these things are not covered, correct? Yeah. If it were me um, and, and I was having a discussion with the manufacturer or distributor, I would say that the second paragraph from the bottom that says limitations, and I know the word limitations is in bold, but um, so is the uh, preface to each of the paragraphs. I would say uh, the language that uses the words merchantability and fitness for a particular purpose uh, should be uh, perhaps capitalized in bold and, and maybe underlined for good measure. That would do it. Okay. And it says, in no event shall JJP be liable for any indirect, special, incidental, consequential, or similar damages, including but not limited to lost profits or revenue, inability to use the product or other associated equipment, the cost of substitute equipment, and claims by third parties resulting from the use of this product. So it's interesting though, Dan, as I look at this, you know, and we're not lawyers, we're pinheads, right? We just, we just assume that we buy something and the company's going to stand behind it. The way I'm reading this though, is that other than the LCD and the circuit boards, Nothing is really covered under this warranty, nothing above the wood. So no, not the spotlights, not the mechanisms, right? But you would you would feel like that would be implied that if a spotlight broke on my Guns N' Roses machine, they would take care of it, correct? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, that's a much smaller and easier fix than, than something that goes on with a play field, which would need to be depopulated and then repopulated. And you, you put your finger on something interesting because you what you just read back to me was was the limitation on damages. Because there are two things that, that contracts can do from a manufacturer's perspective. One is limit the claims that you have. That's limit the, the, the kinds of remedies, like the implied warranty of merchantability. And the other thing is to limit the kinds of damages you can ask for. Um, the point that you have made on your show several times, which is even if there was a replacement 
of a play field. If it is a play field that has the same problems as the earlier play field, that's really not any solution, is it? No. To get a play field that itself will chip. And there's this notion that when a single remedy like that fails of its essential purpose, uh, then you shouldn't be limited by it. So that that's the argument I would make. I, if it were me, I would say, gosh, you know, I appreciate that you have um, a repair and replace. Let's just assume that it applied to the play field and, and the company says it does not. I would make the same argument that you've made on your show many times, which is it doesn't do any good for me to get the same play field with the same problems that presumably will suffer the same kinds of defects. And sometimes in those kinds of circumstances, then you are able to get damages, consequential damages, etc. Okay. Now, I do want to say one thing. There is one thing that you and I disagree on, and that's if the company agrees to buy back games, to me, that makes the buyer whole. And I understand your point has been this isn't an official company policy. It's not on the Internet. No one has announced it. Whether that's true or not, if the company will pay you back for the money you paid, even if the game has accidentally increased in value, I mean, to, to me, you can't ask for more than that. If they buy back your game for what you paid for it, even if it happens to have appreciated uh, between the time you got it and the time you sold it back, I, I think that's a fair solution. Of course, that's the case. You know, people can't be given back market price on anything. Like if my Dodge has like a lemon law and I take it to Dodge, they're going to give me what I paid for my demon. They're not going to give me market value of 130000 for it. I get that part of it. But I guess the thing is this. People don't want to sell it back. They want a solution. Now, Dan, are you saying when we talk about, you know, they shouldn't be limited to a solution that's not a solution. So where do we, where are we right now? Because they have the refund offer. Do you think they're just going to say, well, that's it. Like we'll offer you your, your money back, but we're not going to give you any other solutions because we don't have any. Well, there's only one solution here for most people. I mean, I don't have the, the, the time and I certainly don't have the skills uh, to repopulate a new play field. So the only obvious solution to me for folks who want to keep their games would be to say we now have new play fields and the new play fields are fixed right you know whether it's miracle's fault or somebody else here's a new play field it's fixed it's fully populated send us back the old play field also fully populated which would still be a pain to box that up and send it back so maybe they would agree to cover the cost of shipping but to, to me that that's the only clear solution is a, a a a fixed play field that is populated that can be swapped in and out and we saw Stern do that with Ghostbusters, with the insert issue they were having with the Ghostbusters LEs. Dan, we know there's probably no way Jersey Jack is going to do that from a financial standpoint. So let's talk about timing, because I think that's the other thing that I'm curious about, because in, in all these warranties, there's always like a period of time by which the warranty is applicable. So the circuit boards are 60 days, the monitors 270 days. So how do they navigate playfield and how long they would warranty a playfield, right? Because some people put 2,000 plays on a game and some people put 50. Should that be somewhere written that we're going to cover this for the first 60 days or within 500 plays and then you're on your own? Or or is it purposely not put in there at all? Uh, that, that's a good question. I mean, I think the only... 
the only warranty that would provide some certainty is one that covers the number of plays. I, I mean, I've had this discussion with you before. I mean, it, the, the, the game is the world's most magnificent video jukebox. It's used more like that than it does as a pinball machine. So, it, you know, if it only has 100 plays on it after a year, I mean, at some point, I mean, I, I don't think anyone expects a company to say, well, you, you know, our warranty lasts five years, 10 years, whatever it is. But I think it would be fair to uh, say that it should be for so many plays. And again, you know, I mean, I, I realize a lot of people's view is that this should simply never happen. Right. It should never happen after 5000 plays. It should never happen after 10000 plays. But yeah. And we're seeing games with 50 plays have have issues. So, Dan, is there a contract between Jersey Jack and Mirko that sort of indemnifies Jersey Jack if Mirko's to blame and or vice versa indemnifies Mirko? if Jersey Jack is over torquing post and that's what's creating this issue. I, I have no idea because I, I don't think any of us have seen whatever are the terms and conditions between JJP and Mirko. What one would expect in, in a thoughtful supplier agreement with Mirko as a supplier to JJP that there are those kinds of indemnities or really not, not necessarily indemnities, but more in the nature of Mirko warranting its own work to JJP question you know you've seen this whole situation i've been talking about it for a few weeks what do you think is going to happen this is just your personal opinion what do you think is going to happen next um honestly you know the game is is so magnificent i i had a friend tell me looking at it that it's like looking at the face of god that it will probably eventually blow over and it, you know ultimately i think the company may hope that it is a limited problem and they may hope that it's something that they can deal with sort of on a one-off basis with folks who do complain um, and refund them their money. Yeah, but but we're all we're all speculating. I don't know. But here's like, this is the third time though, right? I think for a lot of people out there, right? They're looking at this saying, look, this happened on Wonka. It happened on Pirates. Now it's happening on Guns N' Roses. Is there any class action lawsuit that you could see owners getting together and saying, this is, this is enough. Like this is BS. Like there's enough games affect it. I don't want a refund because I'm losing a ton of money on market value. I just want a game that works and they can't give me a game that works without this defect. Do you think a class action lawsuit would be effective here? Um, you know, there are probably only about a hundred thousand lawyers in your hometown that, that could and would bring a class action lawsuit. Um, it, it, it's all going to depend on, on your individual circumstances there are uh some some complicated rules that define when um, a court can recognize a class for a class action so i wouldn't feel comfortable speculating on that and you know all the things that we've talked about today i mean these aren't any secrets i don't know how many lawyers are on pin side i don't know how many are on your saturday morning spectaculars but Probably a few. Well, because, you know, you see people like threatening that. And we've seen some class action lawsuits. There was one against J-pop, one against Skit B. None of them have really been successful in getting the outcome that people would have liked. And I think people always say the lawyers get rich. Guys like you, Dan, get very wealthy. And then everyone else is left holding the bag. Yeah, but the, the, the problem is, is, is always collectability. I mean, if you want to bring lawsuits over Predator or over Alien, um, 
you know, people tried to bring lawsuits over Dutch pinball, but that's uh, a company that, that is not a domestic corporation. There has to be something there to collect. And, and in a lot of instances, if you sent in money, that money's just gone. Well, when I look at this warranty again, I'm just staring at it. It's up on my 65-inch screen TV. As a buyer, and just from a macro level, would this make you feel good, what's in writing, or would you like to see more? knowing what this product is? You know, I mean, I've only been kind of back in this hobby for a few years. And the first problem I had was um, on a Star Wars premium game. And there's a little diverter that is supposed to divert the ball from the left side to the right side. I forget if it's the force or whatever it is, and that broke. And that's when I realized, you know, basically for all intents and purposes, these things, I, I have taken the view that, that these games really have no warranty. Right. And if you reach out um, and you do it politely and respectfully, um, you can get help from the manufacturer. Um, most of them are pretty good. You know, for all the complaining that happens about Pinside, there are people on Pinside who probably know as much as the people in the companies. So they're always willing to help. You can get parts. You need to figure out how to fix a few things yourself. I have adopted the view that there simply is no warranty. Now, with that said, I, you know, I've never bought a game, new or used, that was dead on arrival, that had something uh, that, that couldn't be fixed. And this is cosmetic, right? I mean, at the end of the day, this issue is a fully cosmetic issue. It is not stopping people from playing the game. But it's such a painful cosmetic issue because you're selling these expensive machines to collectors who want to preserve these games and keep them as mint as possible. And Playfield, Dan, right? It's the hardest thing. It is literally the hardest thing to swap out of a game. I don't think you could have a worst item that people are knocking on your door saying they want a resolution or solution to a Playfield issue, right? This is a nightmare for them. Do you think, what do you think's going on over there, Jersey Jack? What kind of discussions are happening internally? Well, I mean, as far as swapping out play fields every once in a while, I think it would be fun to, to get a rotisserie and, you know, to get a really beat up game and try that. And then I look at the underside of any game for just a minute or two and realize for me, for someone like me, it is simply impossible. Can't be done. If, I, if I'm going to get a play field swapped out, I'm going to have to hire somebody to do it. And I'm going to have to pay, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know what it is, but I'm going to say probably what can you get a play field swap for less than two thousand dollars? I mean, it looks like it's one hundred hours of work. I don't yeah. know. And and like and if you don't get the play field for free, I know for a fact that the price of the Guns N' Roses play field, the collector's edition is around thirteen hundred for the lower play field and maybe two hundred and fifty or three hundred bucks for the upper play field. It's expensive. I mean, if you have to. You know, if you have to buy a new one and you bought one already and it should have worked in the first place, you really don't want to have to shell that out again. So, yeah, I think you're looking at two to three thousand dollars easily on this kind of work. I mean, you, you asked me, what, what do I think the company is thinking? Yeah, what I, mean, do you I think the company, the company is probably disappointed by the fact that they are they, they probably are saying to themselves, in your words, we are the only ones in our view who are going out of our way to create this magical world under glass. We are creating these amazing machines with artwork that's stunning, you know, with rad cows that shine like glass, and particularly with this Guns N' Roses game that give you the real music synced 
to the real video. They're not having that conversation. Dan, you think they're really well, over I don't there? Know. I, I don't know. I, I mean, you, you think they're over there saying no good deed goes unpunished? Like, like that's kind of what you're implying. I mean, they've got to be like, why are we still using Mirko? Like, there's got to be like, guys, three times in a row, we're, we're basically torpedoing people's respect and sort of confidence in our company because of play fields. I'm not talking about syncing up videos. You really think they're thinking about that? I think they're disappointed in, in recognizing that they are making games that are the most amazing games that you can buy. And unfortunately, rather than the conversation being exclusively on that. Right. Absolutely. That it's been sidetracked to the talks of, of, of pooling and shipping and everything else. Yeah, I, I think they talk about that in terms of whose fault is it between JJP and Mirko? I don't know. You know, who has responsibility between those two with indemnities or warranties that Mirko makes? I don't know. That's a great question. Do you think they're ever going to officially say something on this matter? Because they haven't even officially come out and said anything. Well, again, you know, you're 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 both of us are talking about what what are they saying in the boardroom? And, you know, I, I don't know if there ever was any official statement for any of the earlier games for for was or pirates or anything else but if there wasn't then i don't know why there would be a change in practice here yeah i don't think they're going to say anything i think they're going to sort of weather the storm i think they're going to just take in all the complaints and all the tickets that get filed and i think they're going to try to go customer by customer and they're going to you know you've got some people that this is the end of the world, and they want they want everything new, new playfield, new populated playfield. And and look, Dan, you said it. Can't blame these people. That is the only fully acceptable solution to someone who loves this game and, and wants to bolt it to the floor. See, I think if they just get rid of Mirko and find a new vendor and make replacement playfields, even if they sold it to me for half price or at cost, right, five hundred bucks, and I could have that replacement that's ready to go. I would play the hell out of my game, wouldn't care about any playfield issues, and then down the road, I would pay someone to do a swap for me. It's not easy though, right? This isn't like going to Jiffy Lube. You can't just roll your game into places and have someone swap a playfield. I mean, there's probably, what would you say? But maybe like 100 people in America to do this at most? I don't even know. I had to speculate on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at the very most, because it takes an incredibly high level of skill and detail and a lot of time, even for someone who is particularly skilled. And if someone offered me a couple thousand bucks to swap out a play field, it'd be like, you know, you, you, you couldn't pay me enough sometimes right. wouldn't be able to, to do try it. and do something like that. I wouldn't even be able to do it. You could give me 10 grand to do it. I, you're not getting back a swapped play field. That looks right. Um, let me ask you a question as a, as a fan, as a buyer, and as someone who currently has a game with no issues, I want to, I want to do a hypothetical. Let's say your Guns N' Roses, a couple hundred plays from now, starts to have a little bit of the wear around these posts. And, okay, you're like, all right, it is what it is. And they announce Toy Story. Are you going all in again if, if, if you have issues on this game, or would you be hesitant to buy a Jersey Jack machine again? Every last person who went all in on Guns N' Roses is going to go all in on Toy Story. By the time Toy Story comes out, the hype and the FOMO and everything around it will be at such a feverish pitch that this may not this that this may not be forgotten. But with with the, the passage of time, 
um, you know, and, and assuming they do handle it on a onesie twosie basis. Really, every single Pirates of the Caribbean CE has potential really bad pooling and playfield issues, and one just sold for $38,000. Knowing that when you open that box up, you most likely will have a playfield that is not going to be perfect. Um, Dan, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and walking us through this uh, interesting time in the pinball hobby. We're all sort of playing Russian roulette with every single purchase. And would you advise people to buy from distributors? Because JJP sold directly. What What do you think is the best way to go? Oh, I think it's with the distributor. Uh, I mean, I, I've bought games from different distributors, and, and it's always been a, a pretty good experience for me. I, I have never bought a game directly from the manufacturer, but, uh, you know, I mean, most of the distributors also become your friends and, and, you know, you have their cell phones in your phone. And if something goes wrong, you know, in most cases, these guys will do everything they can to make you happy. So, I, I mean, I, I would prefer to buy from a distributor now. I mean, if the same thing happens with Toy Story and some unknown number of games are being held by the company um, and allocations uh, are, are uncertain and are getting moved around, um, if I wanted to absolutely make certain that I got one. It, well, it's going to be a little bit of a, <laughs> it's going to be weird next time if they sell direct, because I think everybody's going to hedge their bets this time, right? I mean, it's like, why not just buy one directly? Have your wife buy one directly and you buy one from a distributor. That way you have two different names with orders and you at least, you know, make sure you don't get locked out like GNR. Yeah. I mean, my, my guess is that they will have this process better figured out uh by this time i mean they didn't have kind of a run on the store with any of the games that they have had now before guns and roses and as big as guns and roses is on a global basis i i truly don't believe that it's anything near the size that toy story is there are generations of kids that grew up on toy story so wait 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 hold on Killian's crying because he he knows. I got to challenge that. Toy Story came out when? In 1990-something, right? GNR in 1986. There are more. And you know what's funny is they both have like four major installments. There's four, to four Toy Story movies and really four major Guns N' Roses albums. And you use your illusion one and two, Appetite and I think you could put like Lies and Chinese Democracy as the fourth album together. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But you know the pinball demographic, my friend, right? I mean, it's mostly like men 40 to 60. Are, are you going into a bar and talking to your friends about Buzz and Woody? Or are you throwing Welcome to the Jungle on the jukebox? No, I mean, it, it, it's Welcome to the Jungle. But I do think on, on a global basis... On a global basis, recognizing that, I mean, pinball buyers are probably between 40 and 60 years old. Um, I think you may get a whole lot of buyers that you didn't have before. I think that's probably going to turn out to be the case with Mandalorian. So, I don't know. I, I, I might be wrong, but I would be shocked if it wasn't. So, Dan, you think demand for Toy Story will exceed GNR? Oh, yeah. You don't? Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting because, again, I think that while... There are not many great games for families. There just there aren't, and I think that level it's going to hit. Like I love Toy Story. I mean, I, it's one of my favorite movies. I, I put them kind of equal, and like they're 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 both like almost buy it now kind of themes for me. 
I, I don't know. I think it's going to be close. I think within the pinball buying demo, here's what I think it's not going to have. You're not going to have Slash. You're not going to have the band giving you everything. I think when people see Toy Story, they're not going to get Tom Hanks. They're not going to get Tim Allen. They're not going to get the people that were actually part of the movies. I highly doubt they get all those assets. And I think we're never going to see a game that has as much in it the way GNR did. And how are you ever going to do a launch video? Just think about it. How... How are you ever going to create a launch video like that hot woman on there playing Guns N' Roses with all that like tail shaking? How are you going to do that with Toy Story and get people being like, oh, yeah, I need to have it? Like, it's just not as a marketer, I can market rock and roll way better than I can market Toy Story to 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 a global audience of 40 to 60 year old, mostly men. Well, that was admittedly maybe the greatest promotional video not necessarily for a pinball machine, but maybe for anything I've ever seen. Oh, for pinball, for sure. Not not anything ever, but it was awesome. It was awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much for taking time on your holiday weekend to talk to us. Always a pleasure. I definitely want to get you back on whenever we have any questions where I could use someone with a law degree and not a communications degree like myself. So thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. And if you haven't, if you haven't already done it, go to the Patreon page and, and show your support for the world's number one pinball podcast. Look at that. I didn't, I didn't even plug that. Thank you. And thank you for your support. I saw you, you upped your donation today. So I really do appreciate it. And, and I know Dan was like, they're such cheapskates. They'll spend $15,000 on a machine. And this guy's got almost 600 podcasts. Come on guys, show the love. Have a good day, Dan. And we'll talk to you soon. All right, Chris. We'll talk soon. Uh-huh.